Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football cards as we head into the second half of the 2018 NFL football season and into the month of November in college football. And with it, Victor, the college football rankings have appeared this week for the first time this football season here. So a lot to talk about on the show this week. All in all, a good week pretty much for you and yours. How was your week last week in the world of football? Okay, pretty good week uh, for us as well. Uh, As uh, you know, the Playbook Newsletter has been doing very well with the best bets that you put in 71% now in the last four weeks for the Playbook Newsletter. Definitely required reading as we get into the month of November. And for our uh, Totals Tip Sheet fans, our first 3-0 sweep of the season, we're proud of that. We usually do our best job in the final two months as well. So a good week for the Totals Tip Sheet as well. And with all this action going on, in college football, the NFL, the NBA is upon us, the NHL is here. It's it's kind of amazing that still at the forefront of sports news, Mark, is the state of Ohio and our Cleveland sports teams. And in a 24-hour period, they fired the NBA head coach, the football head coach, and the football offensive coordinator. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess it's a good thing they don't have a soccer team. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like there's a bug going on in Cleveland these days. But, you know, I know the Cleveland fans, they don't want to settle for mediocrity. And it's been that way a long time in the National Football League. The firing of Hugh Jackson probably didn't come as too much of a surprise. And, in fact, uh, I was telling our producer off the air that I received a, a text from a, a friend of mine in Cleveland telling me, alerting me to the fact that Hugh Jackson was fired and that there would be a rally in public square this Friday to celebrate the firing. And he wanted to know if I would be able to, to attend the rally. But uh, bottom line here is they have made changes in the NFL. And I don't think there's a tear in the eye of any Cleveland Browns football fan with Hugh Jackson being gone. I mean, looking over his record, Victor, in his career, 11-44-1 in his career in the National Football League. That's second worst only to Marty, Marty Morningwig. With Detroit Lions head coach, who was five and twenty-seven. So, whoever it happens to be, the new head coach that they'll be hiring here, and I'm going to guess that will come after the end of the football season. My best guess, Victor, it'll be a young, upcoming head coach, likely an offensive coordinator, much like Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams. They really relate to Sean McVay in L.A. these days. You know, uh, since we're on the subject, I don't know how many people listening to the podcast. Uh, actually care, but on the short list, you just mentioned Sean McVay and Zach Taylor is the young Rams quarterback coach and any, and he's right now on the front of the list in terms of potential hires for the Cleveland Browns. You just mentioned that any guy who is associated with a hot commodity like Sean McVay is going to get serious consideration. Also on the short list, which was surprising to me, is Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley. He's somewhere around two to one odds 
as we look. A Northeastern Ohio native also is on the short lifts, and that's Vikings offensive coordinator John Filippo as well. So there's your short list as of right now. A couple of young guys wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to see an offensive-type guy also. But uh, there you have it as the Browns search for yet another head coach. This just in, our uh, producer friend Jeff Gates, uh, producer of the show here, just texted me that it's true. The Cleveland sports teams have fired Hugh and Lou and hired Drew. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I don't know if Zach Thomas makes that rhyme or not, but the the bottom line is there are changes abounding in Cleveland these days. And, you know, Victor, also speaking of uh, changes abounding, the first college football College football playoff rankings came out this week, and uh, I don't think there was a lot of surprise with the rankings here. I know it's everybody's job in this media and our business and our industry to kind of maybe tear it apart a little bit. But uh, I'll say this. There are four undefeated teams remaining in the FBS world of football these days, and uh, you'll find in those uh, in amongst those four undefeated teams uh, – if I had three of them in the top four rankings, the other one that's not is Central Florida. And my first question to you, Victor, is do you feel Central Florida has a chance to barge into the college football playoffs by season's end? Yes, they do have a chance, and they're actually in a slightly better spot than they were last year at this time when they were also undefeated in the very first uh, coaches' college football playoff rankings list that came out. I believe they were somewhere around 12 or 13 when the list came out last year at this time, and they're up to seven. So my short answer is yes, they do have a shot. Well, you know, with that being the case, then the question is, would they overpower a one-loss team? And right now we're looking at one-loss potential teams to be LSU, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, perhaps even Washington State, Ohio State to make that list. So uh, the question then would be if by season's end, if Central Florida were still undefeated and each of those teams had one loss, would they realistically move up in the polls to crash the party? Now, that's a tough one to answer there. You've got to look at their strength of schedule, and I was doing that last night when the rankings came out, and, boy, I don't know if Central Florida has any sort of actual big-time signature win this season. I know that they've played the 125th-ranked schedule on Ooh. the season, some cupcakes there. Oh, that's according to the Sagarin rating, so that would be Central Florida. So uh, we're in the AAC conference. We're still waiting for a signature win uh, in terms of Central Florida. Good for them at 7-0. and A couple of other teams have fallen down a little bit, the Cincinnati's, the Temples of the world. But uh, that, would be the, that would be the tough question. Would they jump over a one-loss team? Well, that signature win, I guess, arguably would have been Auburn in the Peach Bowl last year, but that was last year. We're not talking about that this year. You know, we're talking about their work uh, this football season here, their body of work this season here, and uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to make it. There's going to almost have to be a bevy of two lost teams under consideration, anyone amongst the likes of whom I just discussed, with two losses, and then the question more realistically would be with Central Florida then receive an invitation into the college football playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see, but uh, I know I do know this. I love this time of the year, November, when the college football rankings come out because the pressure is on these teams right now more so than ever before. We're likely to see a lot of teams begin to run up scores in football games. 
although by the bylaws of the college football playoff rankings, that isn't a, isn't a factor, but we know subliminally it is uh, because they're human beings that are voting on this now. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see the likes of the Clemsons, the Notre Dames, the Michigans. What do they do in college football games this weekend? You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things, where aside from the Hugh Jackson firing in Cleveland, we're at the halfway point in the National Football League right now. And before we get into discussing uh, some maybe some records and point spreads of what teams have done thus far and what the playoff picture might look like. Uh, one noteworthy uh, uh, incident happened last week in the National Football League that swung at least a million dollars in Las Vegas at the sports books, and that was Todd Gurley's decision to lay down at the one-yard line in the football game against the Green Bay Packers, where it cost not only betters the side, but also the total in the game, and Victor, the totals, which I'm sure you're very well aware of. Uh, your take, Victor, on Todd Gurley's laydown in that big Rams-Packers football game. Uh, disappointed, but understandable. That was our five-star game of the month over the total in that Packers Rams game. We came up what one point shy, maybe one and a half point shy. And if he of course takes it to the end zone, we hit that play and we have a nice shot at the Keelan. We're all very, very happy. I certainly understand the reason that he did not go in and, uh, you know, you were on the Packers in that game, so him laying down helped you win. It helped over betters lose. It helped Ram betters lose. It helped under betters win. We've seen it happen once before with Sean uh, LaShawn McCoy and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there's even a you know that that play was actually called by Sean McVay. They call the Rams call that play in their offensive arsenal. They call that play the Rolex Rolex play like Rolex, as in the watch play, where the time consumed is more important than scoring. The difficulty to make that play work is he had to generate an eight-yard gain for first down and then fall down inside the 10-yard line somewhere. So all those things occurred, and he fell down. If he gets stopped on third down, there is a chance the Rams kick a field goal there and the over does cash. Again, it was disappointing for those of us who bet the over and for those of the fans out there who were laid the points with the Rams as well. But again, I certainly do understand the reasoning behind that play. At that time, that's more important than scoring a touchdown. The time consumed. You do not want to put the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hands. And lo and behold, you know, the Packers... Ty Montgomery, who was the kickoff returner on that play, who was instructed not to take the ball out of the end zone, did so, fumbled to the 20-yard line. The next thing we know, <laughs> he's now a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the decision for him to bring it out was, one, head-scratching, and two, you know, to continue to try to surge forward for an extra yard or two when he didn't need to do just that. Uh, it, it's unimaginable. He did just that. And as you say, the end result is he got traded a very disgruntled football player to begin with. So it really wasn't a surprise to see that move being made, but through it all, uh, the comment I liked the most out of this whole thing was Todd Gurley's comment after the game, when they asked him about the laydown and he basically, he basically said, screw Vegas, screw fantasy football, you know, 
I did what we needed to do to win the football game. And uh, I, I think he was spot on with the, with that talk. And as you mentioned here, I wasn't aware of the fact that it was a pre-planned play in the arsenal, the yeah. Rolex play. But, uh, you know, that's that speaks volumes for Sean McVay. Yes, it does. Uh, uh, how innovative he is as a head coach. And uh, uh, they're really on the same page with him these days with the L.A. Rams. We're also at the halfway point now of the National Football League season, Victor. And uh, with that, if, if you got any updates uh, as far as maybe things that we should be aware of as far as point spreads have happened in the National Football League, favorites, dogs, teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you think our listeners out there would like to hear? Basically a middle of the road type week for underdogs six and eight ats for underdogs last week in the nfl now you were on two of those with your sunday service the broncos who did get the money against the kansas city chiefs and the aforementioned green bay packers play nice job on sunday as well we've got the dogs this season at 59 53 and 4 ats overall so still a pretty decent year for the underdogs in the nfl if you're asking, did the high point totals continue last week in the NFL? Yes, they did. In fact, last week, the average points per game was at 49.9. It was Here's the weird part. It's the third highest scoring week of the season this year. But with that said, there were five overs and nine unders last week. So you're asking, how can that possibly be? How can the average points per game be around 50, and yet there's almost double the amount of unders than there were overs? Uh, it could be explained actually pretty easily. The games that did go over the total last week did so by an average margin of 14 points per game, while the games that went under last week did so by only about five points per game. So the unders were very, very close last week. Some of the games that did go under the total like the Kansas City-Denver game that went under by a point or two, like the Rams game that we just talked about that went under by a point. So there is your reasoning, your logic behind it as well. For the season, we're at 48.3 points per game now in the NFL. We're basically split right down the middle, 60 overs, 61 unders. But yes, the high scoring in the NFL does continue, and it continues this week as well as the average over-under line for this week's 13 games right now is right at 48.6. 48.6, averaging 48.3 for the year. So it's been a year of high-scoring football games in the National Football League. In fact, we're going to talk with Andy Isco when he joins us a bit later on in the show as Andy did a mid-season statistical review talking about scoring and yardage. And I'll be interested to see what Andy has to say as we uh, look deep, probe deeper into that as we're at the halfway point of the football season here. And one closing note here, Victor, before we go uh, to a quick break and then come back with our college football game of the week, uh, if the NFL football playoffs were to begin this weekend, we would find the following six teams that would be in the playoffs out of the AFC, number one seed Kansas City, number two New England, followed by number three Pittsburgh, number four Houston, number five the LA Chargers, and number six Cincinnati with Baltimore, Miami, and Cincinnati on the outside looking in. Over on the NFC side of things, number one seed would be the LA Rams, followed by the New Orleans Saints, the two teams that would have buys this particular opening week, followed by number three, Washington Redskins, the upstart Redskins, number four, the upstart Chicago Bears, number five, Carolina, and number six, Seattle, 
followed by Minnesota, Green Bay, and Philadelphia. Those teams just on the outside looking in as well. And one little quick observation note here out of these teams that the two number one seeds out of the AFC, we noted this in this week's midweek alert newsletter, that both Kansas City and New England have one unique common trait. You know, what, know Victor, what that might be this football season? I'm going to put you on the on the spot here. Common trait. I am looking yes. at both teams. I'm trying to compare them. Uh, could it be some sort of a, uh, I don't know, offensive number that's common between the two? Uh, it's something about that, yes. It's sure in the neighborhood. What it is is that both of these teams, number one and number two seeds, have each allowed more yards than they've gained this football season here. Wow. Just unbelievable. I mean, to find that the top two seeds – in the National Football League AFC Conference, allowing more yards than they're gaining on the season. So, again, that just uh, throws a little bit more uh, thrust into how important scoring is in the National Football League these days. If you can't stop them, you can outscore them. That's the motto in the NFL these days. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our college football game of the week. It doesn't get any bigger or better than the Alabama LSU class in the SEC. We'll do that and a whole lot more when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And it's time for our college football game of the week. And like I said, it doesn't get any better than this in the Southeast Conference when number one ranked Alabama takes on number three ranked LSU in a big showdown in Baton Rouge this Saturday night. Victor, your take on the Tide and the Tigers in this key Southeast Conference clash. Well, this is going to be everybody sitting in front of their TV. Uh, Baton Rouge, L.A., 8 o'clock Eastern is your kickoff for the college football game of the year for November. And in terms of the over-under line, it opened at 53. It's working its way up very, very slowly. If you do like the over, you're going to want to play it uh, earlier in the week, as early as you can. It could potentially go up higher once we get in the game time. 53. There's some 53 and a halfs out there. Even this morning when we turn on the computer on Wednesday morning, there's even a couple of 54s out there between these two teams. This is the highest over-under line in the series since 2013, a series which has been pretty low scoring over the years. One and eight over-under the last nine meetings between Alabama and LSU. The average line, 449 
average score only 33.0. So the average game between these two has actually gone under by a double-digit margin by 11.9. And again, uh, yeah, the line's a little bit on the high side. Only once in the last 10 meetings has there been more than 46 combined points when they these two teams play each other. With that said, we're seeing some over numbers that are surprising for both teams. They've been involved in a handful of high-scoring games this year. And again, that is a little bit surprising considering the tradition uh, of this ground-and-pound type conference in the SEC. Alabama is actually 6-2 and two over under on the season. Average line, 63.9. Average score, 70 points. Their average game has gone on over the total, excuse me, by almost a full touchdown at plus 6.1 points per game. And LSU, their record's almost the same. They're 5-3 and three over under in the season. Very surprising given their very good defense. Their average line at 50.1. Their average score, 45.1. Their average game has actually gone under by an average of 6.0 points per game despite that 5-3 and three over under record. Uh, for for LSU, or for this game to go over the total for that matter, they're going to need to get to 21 points. So how can they do that against this great Alabama defense? Number one, if you win the coin toss, LSU, take the ball in the first half. Do not defer. The biggest reason why Alabama has scored on its opening possession every single game this season, and basically... You're accepting an invitation to be trailing from the very start of the game if you give them the ball to begin the game. So you can you know, take your home crowd out of the game right off the bat if you allow them the ball in the first quarter, knowing that they're probably going to score some points. Uh, number two, be prepared for early aggressiveness for Alabama. But do what you do best, LSU, and that is pound the rock. You know, nobody... And the SEC has more rushing attempts this season than LSU. They run it at a nice ratio of 61% to 39%. It's a ratio that they should probably commit to maintaining against Alabama. And let's not forget, this is not a classic Saban-Stonewall defense. The, the Tide has given up surprising yardage totals on the ground and even point totals this season. The next thing I would submit to you would be to be bold. You know, uh, one of our favorite Latin terms that we use a lot in the Total Tip Sheet newsletter is fortis fortuna adiuvat. Fortune favors the bold. And you're going to need to be bold at Orgeron. Also, on offense against Alabama, you'll need points. Against Power 5 competition, LSU has more field goals then touchdowns in the red zone this season. And field goals don't figure to beat the number one scoring team in the country. So this isn't this isn't a typical Alabama LSU nine to six game like it was back in 2011. Orgeron has shown a willingness to gamble, and that's kind of highlighted by his four for four fourth down conversion gambit against Georgia. And that's gonna have to continue and perhaps even intensify on Saturday night. Bottom line, I think the over-under line is justified. I made my play at 53 and a half. I'm going to pass if it gets up to 56 or higher. 
But right now, we're in that range of somewhere of 53, 54, 55 points. Uh, we see a score somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 23, 35 to 24. LSU knows they're going to have to gamble on offense and match Alabama when it comes to point scoring. So with that said, yeah, we're going to take a look and throw a few dollars on the over in that Saturday night game. Victor's going over the total in the Alabama-LSU football game Saturday night, a football matchup between number one and number three-ranked football teams in the country. And in that same vein, before I get into my analysis on the game, my good friend Chris Felica from ESPN had tweeted this out, and this is an interesting note that uh, this will be the first time, or I should say the second time, there's only been one time in the past 40 years in college football where a number top four ranked team has been a double digit home underdog to a ranked football team. That was in 2013 when Ellis or make that Auburn was a 10 and a half point dog against Alabama. And we well remember what happened in that football game. That was the kick six return by Auburn in the football game when they stunned Alabama in the contest, went on to win the football game with the kick six in the contest, 34 to 28. So this is only the second time in 40 years that we find a double-digit home dog for a top-four-ranked football team coming into this matchup here. The line in this football game in Las Vegas before the season started at the uh, South Point was Alabama minus 10.5 in the football game. So there hasn't been that much of an overlay adjustment based largely because of Alabama's just blowing out their opponents this football season here. So Vegas has really tampered that down a little bit this week. Victor mentioned here about Alabama getting out to good starts. They've outscored their opponents 40-7 to in the first half of football games this year, an average score of 40-7 to Alabama in the first half of football games. Uh, that also works against LSU, who has outscored their opponents 69-6 to in the first quarter of their football games this year. So a lot of the outcome in this game will be largely be dependent upon what happens in the first two quarters of this contest here. Alabama comes in against opponents this year with a, a strength of schedule that really weighs heavily in LSU's favor here. If you take a look at all of Alabama's opponents this year, their combined record is just 29-36. and and in fact, if you look at their yards per point thus far this football season here, all eight of Alabama's opponents rank number 90 or worse in yards per point in college football this year. They've really played uh, Sisters of the Poor type schedule has the Alabama Crimson Tide. For LSU, they come into this football game a perfect 5-0 and to the spread when playing with conference revenge, a good number in their favor here. They're also 6-0-1 to the spread as home dogs when they own a win percentage of 800 or greater. This is an LSU football team on the strength of schedule whose FBS opponents are 42-17 this year. So you can see there's a heavy edge to LSU as far as strength of schedules in the football game is concerned. The bottom line to me, I'm going to be on LSU in this football game for a couple of reasons. Number one, in throughout the course of every undefeated football team's march to the college football playoffs is always annually a scare game, a game in which they were scared and almost very nearly lost the game if, in fact, they didn't lose the football game. This will be that scare game for Alabama on Saturday night. LSU is 57-7 and straight up at home since 2008 with only one loss in those 64 games by more than 10 points. 
It's Fright Night, Halloween Week in Death Valley, Saturday night. I'm going to play the points with LSU in what might be the shocker of the year when they take on the Crimson Tide this Saturday night. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to turn on our NFL Game of the Week, and we've got another beauty on tap when the L.A. Rams take on the New Orleans Saints in a possible playoff preview. We'll do that game and hop out to Las Vegas and check with Andy Esco with the Vegas Vibe. We'll be back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards, and it's time for our College Football Game of the Week. Make that our NFL Game of the Week, I should say. And we've got another dandy on tap in the NFL this Sunday when the undefeated L.A. Rams take on the New Orleans Saints in the Bayou Victor, this game sure has the look of a possible playoff preview. Your take on the over-under possibilities between the Rams and the Saints on Sunday. You know, not only a possible playoff preview, but historic over-under numbers as well. You know, we we thought a couple of weeks ago that the over-under line in the uh, New England-Kansas City Chiefs game was high at 59.5. Guess what? These guys are going a half point better. This game, it opened at 59. Yesterday, Tuesday, it crept up to 59 and a half. Again, as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning, it's up to 60. It could potentially be higher than that. And, you know, we preach value a lot in over-unders. So let's, let's get this right. There's not a heck of a lot of value on this game <laughs> going over the total. But we've got some numbers out of the database that we will reveal on the you know very very back end here. We'll say this: the Rams come in three and five over under on the season. They started the season with unders in their first two games. Then they went over for three consecutive games in a row. Now they've gone under in each of their last three games. The Saints three and four over under. And one thing we know about the Saints. When they're on the road, we always consider under first for New Orleans. But when they're home in the Big Easy, they put up as good over numbers in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome as any team in the NFL, that's for sure. And that's where this game is being played. You know, these two teams played each other last season in the L.A. Coliseum. The over-under line was 54 
final score was uh, a Ram win, 26 to 20. It did end up going under by eight points. Rams had over 400 yards of offense in that game. They held the Saints to about 340 yards of offense. With that said, however, the last five meetings played in the Big Easy have gone four and one over under. Average line, 48.9. Average score, 58.8. So the average game played between these two in New Orleans has gone over by plus 9.9 points per game. What is concerning me a little bit in regards to New Orleans is the fact that, you know, since they put wide receiver Ted Ginn on IR a couple of weeks ago, they're only averaging about 185, 190 passing yards per game. Uh, Looking at last week's results, it was shocking that Drew Brees, despite having a fantastic statistical game, I think he went 18 for 23 in that win over the Vikings. His team still got outyarded by over 150 yards, and he only threw for 123 yards. So these numbers are a little bit alarming. I'm sure things will step up a little bit now that they're returning back home again because, again, both of those games were on the road. And uh, here's a little tidbit for you. If you think the over-under line in this game is high, Get ready for week 11 in the NFL. South of the border, the Rams will be playing the Chiefs. The over-under in that game will probably be about 62 or 63 points. So every time in the NFL you think you've seen the highest over-under line you possibly can this season, we thought we saw it with the Patriots game a few weeks ago. We thought we're seeing it this week in the Rams game against the Saints. It's going to be even higher in Mexico City in a couple of weeks when the Rams play the Chiefs. Again, as I mentioned, is there value on the over? No, not really. But I can see both teams scoring 30 or more points, maybe like a 34 to 31 final score, something like that. Am I going to make this a King Creole play? Probably not. Give me a couple more days to handicap it. We may, but we'll say this. We mentioned this in the totals tip sheet. Since late in the 2000 season, there have been nine games in the NFL with very, very high over-under lines that closed at 58 or more by kickoff. Seven of those games were in the regular season. Two were in the playoffs. In this same time frame, there have been eight overs in those games, no unders, one tie, average combined points 66.4. So there's your number since late in the 2000 season, 8-0-1 over-under for NFL games that finished at 58 or more points at the kickoff line. It happened just a couple of weeks ago with New England and Kansas City. Final score was 43-40. to It happened in the playoffs last year when Atlanta hosted Green Bay. Over-under line was 59.5. Final score was 44-21. to so there you have it. The games have gone over. It shows that the high over-under line has been justified. And, again, like our first game, I'm going to probably throw, you know, a couple of dollars on the over. Hope for that shootout that we didn't quite see last week. We're going to be indoors. We know that the Saints have a great rushing defense, so the Rams will be forced to throw the ball even more than they've been doing lately. So, yeah, we'll take a look at a pretty high-scoring game in the Big Easy in what should be a lot of fun on Sunday afternoon.
Victor's leaning over the total in the Rams-Saints football game on Sunday. He'll evaluate the over-under total as it settles in on the game before making a clear decision on the contest in what looks to be another high-scoring affair between two wide-open offenses. The L.A. Rams come in, as we know, 8-0 undefeated, their best start in the National Football League in their franchise history since 1969. We also note in our database that team playing in game nine of the season that have won their first eight straight games in a row are 17 and two straight up in this particular game nine situation here. This is an LA Rams football team that under Sean McVay, their head coach, their brilliant young head coach has won 12 of 13 road games. Just absolutely phenomenal for a team to win and be so successful on the road as the L.A. Rams are under Sean McVay. The New Orleans Saints bring a boatload of numbers of their own into this contest, if you will. They come into this game 11-0 to the spread when playing off back-to-back road games, as Victor mentioned here. Uh, They're coming into this contest here off a pair of road games, road victories at Baltimore and Minnesota. The Saints also come into this contest here, having won 10 of the last 11 home games straight up on the scoreboard. They're also 11-1 straight up and 12-0 to the spread at home when they take on 800 or greater opponents. So both of these powerhouse football teams each bring powerhouse numbers into the football contest here. So what do we do to separate and make a decision for a side in the football game? To me, it's rather obvious. What we do is we look at the team that as the better offense and the better defense and is the underdog. That's a formula that I will take with me for the rest of my life all the way out. Better offense, better defense, underdog. That happens to be the L.A. Rams in this football game. The Rams are outstanding their opponents 110 yards a game on the season. The Saints are outstanding their opponents only 14 yards a game on the season here. And with the Saints coming in off their biggest win of the season, that big win over Minnesota last week, which made amends for that Minnesota miracle in the playoffs last year, that foo in the playoffs, despite the fact that the Saints were outgained 423 to 260 in the contest, I'll be on the L.A. Rams for my side in this big football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we go out to Las Vegas to check out the Vegas vibe with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Las Vegas this football season? Well, Mark, everything is going fine. Uh, It's a nice time of the year. We uh, had an end to the World Series. We have college basketball on the horizon, but we're in the meaty part of the football season. We had the college football playoffs first announcement the other day. To no one's surprise, Alabama number one. And it appears Michigan really number four because Alabama and LSU, who's ranked number three, are going to meet. And, of course, in the NFL, we're at the halfway point with one of the most attractive games of the season coming up uh, this weekend with the Rams visiting the Saints. Uh, Things are starting to fall into place, and it's uh, the best time for the stretch drive to begin. It sure is a good time for the stretch drive to begin as we're now entering the halfway point of the National Football League season, in fact. And, uh, Andy, with that, I was reading your 
LogicalApproach.com newsletter this morning here, and uh, you do your annual mid-season statistical review in the newsletter here, and uh, you break down both the National Football League and the college football side of things in great numbers, bringing us up to speed on how things are working uh, as far as college and pro football is going thus far this football season here. But one of the things I found most interesting, Andy, was on your comparing of statistics this year to years in the past. And uh, you go back uh, in years in the past, if you will, from 1988 to 2017, take those numbers as a whole and compare them to this year and see how they're doing. And the one thing that jumped out to me, Andy, and if you can comment on this, if you would, is uh, a deficiency or a lack thereof, a falling off of rushing in both college pro football, college and the NFL football here. And one stat in particular you broke down is how teams do when they rush for more than 150 yards. Uh, in the, If you will, in the National Football League, they're 68% of the time they win the game when they do that. The previous block of years, I believe it was 20 years before that, they, were, they won 82.3% of the time. And the number is almost similar in college football this year when they rush for more than a buck 50, that's 67.2%. In the previous 20 years, it was 74.5%. So we can see a fall off on numbers when teams rush the football successfully. And my question to you, Andy, is do you think is that more attributable to the style of play of football these days, the wide open passing offenses we're seeing, or is it just a better defensive planning for stopping the run in the football these days? Well, actually, Mark, it's not the percentage of times that teams win the game. It's that they cover the spread. Now, of course, there's cover the a, spread. Yes, strong par- yeah, a, a strong correlation between covering the spread and winning the game in the NFL. Roughly 82, 83% of the time, the team that wins the game covers the spread. It's a little bit lower than that. It's about 75% or so in colleges, meaning that uh, in the colleges, 25% of the time a favorite wins but fails to cover. And that stands to reason because you've got – uh, much more volatile and higher point spreads in the colleges to deal with. In the pros, as I mentioned, it's about uh, uh, 17, 18 percent of the time that the favorite wins but doesn't cover because the point spread range is rather limited. You don't see nearly as many uh, favorites in the NFL uh, laying more than, say, 12, 13 points over the course of a season. Now, of course, one of the things to keep in mind with these statistics, and let's go to that one about rushing for over 150 yards per, uh, in, a, in a game. That's not per game. It's in a specific game. While allowing under 100, the NFL this year, those teams are 17 and 8, which is 68% compared to the historical percentage of slightly better than 82%. But keep in mind that 25, uh, that 17 and 8 is just 25 games. It's a very small uh, sample size, and you know, two or three games either way. In other words, you go from 17 and 8. Let's say you had two of those games go the other way. It could be 19 and 6. Uh, which would be what 76% or it could be 15 and 10 which would be 60%. So the numbers can change uh the percentages can change rather dramatically when you're just talking about an instance or two with very few samples. Now of course uh, uh there is some validity to this in the NFL where we've seen an explosion in uh passing attacks over the last few years we're seeing it this year Kansas City, you know, the Rams, the Patriots, etc., uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, at, uh where the uh, passing game because teams who have been able to pass the ball successfully have had success, 
uh, more teams are following that model as far as uh, trying to improve their chances of winning games. And, of course, winning games uh, most often equates to covering point spreads. In the colleges, I think it's a case not just of uh, the widespread offenses, widespread open offenses that we've seen, but also adjustments by the lines makers. Favorites are being required to lay many more points today than they were in the future. In other words, today, a team that might be laying 24 or 25 points may have been laying 19 or 20 points under similar circumstances in the uh, in the past because scoring has been up. As a result, uh, the points are devalued as far as uh, limiting opponents. Uh, what uh, A team that would average, say, 40 points uh, uh, several years ago would be up in that range or uh, averaging, say, 46 or 48 percent, uh, 48 points this year. In other words, about a, a 5 to 10 percent increase overall. As a result, the point spreads are going to adjust, but the game itself is still 60 minutes long. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas as we review the statistical review that he's outlined inside of his weekly Logical Approach football newsletter. And Andy, with that, let's turn it over to the college football contest in Las Vegas, the big contest in Las Vegas, the Westgate Superbook contest and the Golden Nugget contest and see how our, our all of our contestants fared last week. And I'm going to guess, Andy, on the whole, it was probably a pretty good week for contestants in the Superbook contest last week. Yeah, a very good week for the uh, contestants. In fact, 5-0 and uh, for the con- top five consensus plays in both the Super Contest Classic, which is the regular contest, and the Super Contest Gold, which is the $5,000 entry fee winner-take-all. In that Super Contest Gold, and I'll review that and the leaderboard uh, while we do this, uh, the top selections last week, the Packers were number one. The Seahawks, number two, the Bears, number three, the Eagles, number four, and the Saints, number five. All five of those uh, teams uh, won and cover, well, covered in their contest. The Packers uh, won, but uh, excuse me, the Packers covered in their loss to the Rams. Uh, that brought the record for the consensus, which had been 16, 5, and 4. With that 5 and 0, oh, it's now 21, 15, and 4. On the season, you get a point for a win, you get a half point for a push, so that 21-15-4 record equates to uh, 23 points for the consensus. As far as the leaders are concerned, there are four contestants tied with a record of 26 13 and one, that's 26 and a half out of a possible 40 points, and that works out to a winning percentage of 66.3, just under two out of three when you throw that one push in there. Of course, 26 and 13 would be two out of three, and then you factor in that one push to get to the 40th selection. Overall, there are 27 contestants in the Super Contest winner-take-all uh, contest uh, at 24 points or more, which equates to 60%. So uh, that, uh, that that four-way top uh, four-way tie atop the leaderboard, by the way, uh, a half point better than four other contestants who are just a half point back and three other contestants a further half point back. So very tightly bunched at the top of the uh, winner-take-all Super Contest gold. Similar results last week in the Super Contest Classic, the regular contest, the $1,500 entry fee contest, which pays the top 100 places and ties. The consensus last week, 5-0. and oh. A lot of similarity with the selections. The number one selection last week, the Packers. The number two selection, the Eagles. Number three, the Washington Redskins. Seattle Seahawks were the fourth most popular and the Chicago Bears, fifth most popular. That 5-0 and oh record actually brought the uh, con- the consensus selections for the year above 500. It had been 16 and 19 uh, 
prior to last week. The consensus now 21 and 19 for the season. A little bit over 52%, but not quite enough to get over that 52.3. Uh, excuse me, to get slightly over that 52.3, as it would be a point tenth of a unit profit had you followed the consensus. And of course, it would have taken 5 and 0 to finally get into the black. As far as the breakdown between favorites, underdogs, and pickums, favorites on the year 32, 34, and 5, meaning that when the uh, consensus selection in a given game, was on the favored side of that game, 32, 34, and 5. Underdog slightly profitable, 25, 21, and 1 push when the underdog side of the game was the more popular selection. And on the year, Pickums, the con- the uh, contestants right, uh, who were on the uh, more popular side of Pick'em games, 2 and 1, and actually 1 and 1 last week because we had two of the three Pick'em games last week in the contest, Redskins-Giants and uh, Viking Saints were the Pick'em games. As far as the leaderboard goes, the contestants, after eight weeks, two of them tied at a record of 32 and 8. That's 80%. And as I recall, there is an eight-week prize, $15,000, that will be split evenly amongst the or between those two uh, co-leaders. Uh, half point back at 31 and a half is one contestant. Then there's a one point gap to the uh, third, to actually the fourth place contestant at 30 and a half, all the way down to 140 contestants who have accumulated at least 26 points. Uh, that would get you paid because there's a huge tie. 45 contestants tied for the final five points. Uh, paying spots in the top 100, and that 26 points works out to a percentage of 65%. And of course, as the season continues to draw on, the percentage needed to get into the top 100 will drop, and by the end of the season, I'm guessing it'll probably be slightly over 60% that will be required in order to cash one of the bottom prizes in the top 100. Well, 60% will get money. That's good news for contestants in the Westgate Superbook Contest. Also, the leaders with at 67% at 26 13 and 1 uh maybe not quite at the clip we've seen before in the past so I'm going to guess also any that that clip might be a little bit lower maybe 65% might end up winning the contest this year but uh a good gauge for what's going on in the superbook contest that way how about the gold contest Andy what's happening with the gold contest this year well, this is the Golden Nugget Contest, uh, where you are required to make seven selections per week rather than five. And the uh, leader in that contest has a record of 40, 13, and three. Again, using one point for a cover and half point for a push. That works out to 41 and a half out of a possible 56 points or 74.1% a winning percentage. And what's nice about that for that the person currently in the lead. That's a two and a half point lead. The uh, two contestants are tied at second for second and third with 39 points. Of course, there's still more than half the season, nine weeks remaining, which will include a couple of interesting weeks late in the contest when you will have only a handful of college bowl games to choose from from the colleges. Otherwise, and I think there'll be at least one week where the contestants will be required, if not to pick all selections out of the pros, most of the selections out of the pros. That might be the weekend of the Army-Navy game, which generally stands by itself. Overall, this contest, the Golden Nugget, pays the top 20 finishers plus ties. If you finish in the top between 11 and 20, you essentially get your money back, your $1,000 entry fee back. You actually make money if you finish in the top 10. Currently, 41 contestants 
are at 35 points or more, which is 62.5%. As far as the uh, top 10 contestants go, there are a total of 13 contestants at 37 points or more, and a total of uh, 26, it looks like, who are at a, a record of uh, 36 points or more. A rundown of what's going on in both of the major contests in Las Vegas from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, as we do each and every week on his Vegas Vibe segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And Andy, before I hand it off to Victor with the question I know he wants to run by you, there's been a few blind moves on the NFL from the Super Book that was sent out for week number nine last week by Jay Cornegay, as opposed to some lines we're seeing currently right now. If you would let our listeners know what some of those line moves that have taken place from last week to this week might happen to be. Yes, and then uh, just to uh, recap for those who may be joining us for the first time, the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas on Tuesday puts out uh, lines that you can actually bet. These are not uh, suggested lines. These are actual bettable lines for the week following the upcoming weekend. So, for example, this Tuesday, uh, this week is week nine. Week 10 lines have gone up and can be bet. Those will come down as the games for week 10 are being played. So the week nine lines, which came out prior to the playing of even the Thursday night game in week eight. In fact, let's talk about this week's Thursday night game. Not a very attractive game. Game, at least on the surface, with Oakland visiting San Francisco. Of course, not much in the way of travel considerations, as is usually the case for a Thursday night game for these teams just uh, crossing the bay for uh, the Raiders going into San Francisco. Both teams with just one win. Last week, San Francisco was actually a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, minus 120 on the VIG, meaning that you would also get even money if you took that two-and-a-half with uh, the Oakland Raiders. When the games came up and were reposted this Sunday... After uh, San Francisco lost their game at uh, Arizona late, and Oakland was, uh, oh, they were competitive for much of their game at home against the Indianapolis Colts before losing on a strong fourth quarter by the Colts, losing by 14 points. That game actually had the 49ers adjusted over the field goal. So where they were two and a half last week, they opened as three and a half. That game quickly got bid up to the 49ers by four. It has since settled back into where the 49ers are now a three-point favorite, which actually surprised me when it opened three and a half. I thought three might have been the right number, and uh, at least for now, that's where it sits. Uh, the game between Detroit and Minnesota, the Vikings opened six and a half points. They were six and a half points when this line went up uh, a week or so ago on the advanced lines. But what's interesting is the line move. There was a very quick move down towards Minnesota as just a four-point favorite with money coming in on the Lions. Of course, uh, uh, we had the Minnesota-New Orleans game. That game now then went back up to four, up to four and a half after the uh, Vikings lost at home on Sunday night to the Saints. And I'll talk about that game in a moment. Kansas City, a seven-point favorite at Cleveland uh, when the advanced numbers came out. Uh, when they were reposted on Sunday, Kansas City opened an eight-point favorite, and then on Monday, with the announcement that uh, Cleveland had fired both Hugh Jackson, the coach, and Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, uh, that line went up to nine. It's since settled back to Kansas City as an eight-and-a-half-point road favorite. A couple of games that did not have lines last week due to quarterback uncertainty, the Jets at the Dolphins and the Bears at the Bills. Questions about uh, the Miami quarterback situation and the Buffalo quarterback situation, so nothing to mention there. Another interesting game, Tampa Bay at Carolina. Last week, Carolina was a four-and-a-half-point home favorite in this contest. Of 
course, Carolina with a very impressive win over Baltimore at home this past Sunday. Tampa Bay losing at Cincinnati, but once again rallying late to make it a competitive game. In fact, forcing a tie that this week didn't go to overtime as Cincinnati got the late game-winning field goal. Apparently, the bookmakers more impressed with Carolina's effort. So instead of four and a half, this game opened at five and a half. The betters were even more impressed, at least the early betters, as that line was then bet up from five and a half at the open to where it currently sits at six and a half. A couple of other games worth noting, the Chargers at Seattle. Last week, this game was a pick'em. Of course, uh, uh, the uh, the Chargers uh, had the bye. Seattle had a nice road win at uh, Detroit. When the game came up, Seattle opened as a two-point home favorite. The early action drove this game down to Pickham, where it was last week. And then the action that followed that has Seattle back up to a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Perhaps one of the more interesting uh, moves, Rams at Saints, the game that could arguably determine who has the home field in the NFC Championship game. The Rams unbeaten at 8-0, and the Saints at 6-1. and This game last week was posted as a pick. Now, of course, the Rams won and uh, struggled a bit in their uh, game against uh, uh, Green Bay to cover. They ultimately didn't cover when Todd Gurley made the right football decision. Uh, but nonetheless, the Rams won the game. They opened as a one-point road favorite Sunday afternoon. Quickly bid up, bit, uh, excuse me, bet up to two and a half. The game then came off the board as the Saints and Vikings played Sunday night. When the game was reposted on Monday morning, the game was back where it was when Jay put it up last week at Pickham. And the early money came in and made the Saints a one and a half point uh, midweek favorite. Uh, Green Bay at New England. Of course, the Packers uh, played uh, on Sunday, uh, losing in a competitive game to the Rams. Patriots. Uh, did not play until Monday night. Last week, the Patriots were seven-and-a-half-point favorites. They did put this game up after the Packers lost at the Rams on Sunday, adjusted downward slightly, perhaps giving uh, some nice credit to the Packers for hanging in there against the Rams. And again, a significant move over the number seven. Instead of being a a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite, the Patriots opened a a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. Game came off the board on Monday. Uh, of course, the Patriots struggled offensively for much of that game, settling for more field goals, just one offensive touchdown in that contest as a double-digit 14-point favorite at Buffalo. When the game was posted again on Tuesday morning, the Patriots were, again, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Early money came in on Tuesday on the Packers, driving that line down to a five-and-a-half-point uh, game favoring the Patriots. It has since been back up to where it sits in midweek with the Patriots six. And finally, the interesting game on the Monday night contest because neither Tennessee nor Dallas played last week. Both were enjoying bye weeks. And interestingly enough, the game uh, last week when it was posted, knowing that neither team would play, had the Dallas Cowboys a four-point home favorite. Neither team played this week. So when the game was reposted Sunday afternoon, Dallas was still a four-point home favorite, yet the betters, e- betters eagerly attacked the Cowboys, bet them up to six, and then to six-and-a-half-point home favorites. So there was no adjustment made in the line, but the adjustment came in the betters' reaction, who had more than a week to study the potential for this game with both Dallas and Tennessee off bye weeks when they're going to meet next Monday. A good review of the line moves that have happened in Las Vegas from they send out from the Westgate Superbook for last week to this week by our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, Victor, I know you got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show this week as well. Well, it's in regards to the big college football game that uh, we covered a little earlier in the podcast, Andy, and that's the Alabama-LSU game. I'm not 
necessarily asking for a selection or a pick or anything, but is there anything you can add, an angle, a tidbit, something that you might have in regards to this SEC game that may give us a little bit more uh, insight into the potential outcome? Well, Victor, a couple of things I'm looking at in this contest, and of course, I normally look to play underdogs first in big meetings where either team can win. Of course, Alabama may be just a generational team this year, although we've been saying that for about the last decade since Nick Saban uh, came over uh, from the NFL. He coached LSU, of course, briefly, went to the Miami Dolphins briefly, and now has been a fixture for a little bit over a decade at Alabama, and each year his team seemed to get better and better. Last year, this game was played uh, in Tuscaloosa. The Crimson Tide was a 20-point home favorite. They won the game but did not cover, uh, 24-10 to being the final margin. Uh, Saban is had great success, certainly straight up and even against the spread. But we're looking at two teams here uh, with a tremendous amount of NFL talent. D- uh, LSU more so on defense than on offense, although they've sent some good running backs and uh, some very good receivers into the pros over the past decade. Alabama certainly on both sides of the football. They've also sent a number of uh, outstanding defensive players, and they too have sent some wide receivers and uh, some uh, solid running backs to the uh, NFL. Uh, when I look at this game, I almost look at the fact that this will be the best team that either team has faced this year. Certainly, it'll be the best defense that Alabama will have faced. It may or may not be the best defense that LSU has faced because they did host Georgia a few weeks ago, beat them very nicely. And so I think that when you look at that situation, uh, that uh, Georgia uh, has provided a better challenge or certainly was the best team to challenge LSU this year. LSU met that challenge uh, as opposed to the teams that Alabama has been challenged by. They played some good teams, but I don't think anything or any team that can compare to the quality of uh, a Georgia Bulldog team. And of course, Georgia took Alabama to overtime in last season's uh, championship game. LSU has been somewhat of a surprise team this year compared to uh, preseason uh, expectations. Uh, but uh, they've been only in one game where they lost this year. Remember, that was 27-19 to Florida, but that was a 20-19 game when LSU in desperation threw a pick six to make the final margin in the final minutes, that eight-point margin. So really, LSU not that far away from being unbeaten. I think you have to look first to the uh, to taking the points with LSU, and if you don't feel comfortable taking the points with LSU, maybe you look under the total because you have to believe that Alabama's defense will have success against LSU's offense offense. At the same time, I mentioned this will be the best defense that Alabama will have faced this year. So maybe Alabama will be held significantly below its point total of averaging in the 50, uh, 50 point plus range so far this season. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas talking about the big Alabama LSU football showdown game this week here, Andy. And uh, one question I have to ask you, Andy, is uh, are you seeing a money line on this game at this particular time? Uh, I know it's a big point spread, and uh, I'm sure Vegas will not shy away from that. Uh, is it probably like Alabama around a $6 favorite, would you guess, on a money line? I'm actually showing a handful of places, and there's a wide disparity uh, looking at, for example, the high on Alabama, William Hill at minus 800. The low that I'm seeing right now is Pinnacle, minus 580 on Alabama. On the LSU side, I'm showing 
a high of plus 550 at William Hill. So they're minus 800 plus 550. I'm showing a low of plus 450 uh, at uh, the Greek and five dimes. Uh, I normally look to the Westgate uh, for their numbers just to get a fair uh, a fair comparison. They are at minus 500, excuse me, minus 700 plus 500. So a, a smaller margin. Uh, Pinnacle generally uses the smallest spread. So using them for as a means of comparison, Bama minus 580. LSU plus 468, so that's a slightly more than a $1 spread on, uh, on, on Bama versus LSU. So I would imagine, uh, I, I don't want to say, uh, I was going to say, I would imagine that the money may come in on Alabama here, but then I go back to the game Monday night between New England and uh, the Buffalo Bills where the Patriots were a 13.5 and a 14-point favorite, and I never did see the Patriots get bet up to more than 14. That's such a key number. Not quite as key in the colleges because you have such a wide uh, range of scoring in the colleges that maybe we don't see that number go up, although my uh, my inclination is to suggest that we may have more unsophisticated numbers money playing in the college games than in the pros when it comes to high profile games such as Alabama LSU versus say for example a Minnesota uh, New Orleans game that we saw Sunday night so I would say that uh, uh, we may possibly see the line on Alabama go up but I would again think because there's so much sharp money out there too when they see this line of 14 on Alabama they'll they may very well be content if they can grab a 14 and a half with LSU It'll be right back, so that 14 and a half may not last very long. Some food for thought on that big Alabama-LSU game. And, Andy, before I let you go on the show this week, you've been on a nice major winning run with your complimentary play on the show this week. What have you got on tap for our listeners out there this Sunday? Well, I'm going to go to a team that uh, I've had success with this year, both for and against, and I'm going to look at the game between the Atlanta Falcons and the uh, Washington Redskins, and I'm going to make a recommendation, as I did last week, I believe I had the Washington, uh, did I have Washington? Yes, I did have Washington yes, last week. Did, I'm yes. going to go back with them Yeah, as a, a very slight home favorite in uh, this game against the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of this Washington team week after week after week. Uh, they've played very well at home this year, having won three straight at home after losing their opener in week two to the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, they're coming off their divisional game against the uh, the New York Giants. I've not been impressed with Atlanta on a number of fronts this year. The lack of a running game and also, of course, the injuries that have decimated uh, their defense. So uh, the offense, which looked very good in the first part of the season for the Falcons, has sort of leveled off in uh, recent weeks for the most part. Washington has been one of the better defensive teams this season. I think that hasn't been a fact that has been widely noted, at least not in the uh, the mainstream sports media. I think Washington is going to be able to contain the Atlanta Falcon offense. The total in this game, 46.5 to 47, 47.5, seems to be reasonable. I think the Redskins will probably be able to score between 24 to 27 points against Atlanta while holding the Falcons to the 17 to 21 point range. So I'm going to look for Washington to hopefully come through for me once again, this time as a short home favorite, as opposed to last week when they came through as a short road favorite. Andy Isco back on the Washington Redskins once again for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And we'll catch up with the next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. 
I'll look forward to speaking with you next week. Both Mark and Victor have great weekends. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays from Victor and myself when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football, we call it Don't Count Me Out. And what we're looking to do is to play on any 500 exact college football road team in game seven of the season, four and four. I'd make that game nine of the season. So play on any 500 exact college football away team in game nine of the season if they're off a loss and they were a bowl team last year. So bowlers last year, Four and four on the season off a loss in game nine. Find this to be a pivotal football game. They've done so at the window as they're 14 and three against the spread since 1980. That's an 82% winning angle. We'll be on the Florida State Seminoles this week. Florida State in a bounce back role in our Don't Count Me Out awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend as well. Right, Mark. Obviously, our uh, NFL over-under plays will have up on the website for this Week 9 action. They'll be up by Friday night on the website. Don't forget, we also do the college football totals plays and, in fact, we're at 65% for the season in college football over-unders, 15-8 and eight on the year against the spread for the college football totals. That includes 3-1 and one in our four-star best bets. And we've got one of those going this week in college football. We can even tell you that if that, that four-star over of the week is going to be in one of the Pac-12 games. You don't want to miss that. That'll be up at the playbook.com website sometime on Thursday and for our free play this week we're going into a situation that we've cashed on in the totals tip sheet in each of the last two weeks and it's basically going under the total in an NFL game with the biggest road favorite of the week and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs who are laying a lot of points on the road against the Cleveland Browns team that we talked about earlier in the show. This is one of our favorite under situations. It's one of our strongest situations that we have discovered from working, what, 19 or 20 years out of the playbook database now. And basically, when a team in the NFL is laying more than a touchdown on the road, we always go under the total. It makes sense. 
from a game flow or a game script perspective. Team gets out to big lead. They sit down. They play a little bit more of a defensive style of offense in the second half. That should be the case this week with the Chiefs-Browns game. And In fact, here are the numbers out of the database. 7, 40, and 1 over under since 2011. All NFL games in which the road team is favored by more than 7 points and the over-under line is greater than 41 points. And it certainly is in this game. The last time I looked, it was 51 and a half for these uh, Chief, uh, Chiefs-Brown game. These games have gone 5, 36, and 1 over-under in week 15 or less, including an almost perfect 1 and 19 over-under in the last four years. In fact, it just applied on Monday night when we had a three-star play on under the total in the Patriots-Bills game. And uh, you saw the outcome of that. The final score was 25-6. to So we're going to play this system again in the NFL whenever you have a team favored by more than a touchdown on the road and the over-under line is over 41. You always go under the total. Now, the Chiefs, of course, we know they're 7-1 and one on the season. That's an 875 winning percentage. The Browns are now 2-5-1, and one, and that's a 286 winning percentage. Uh, here you go. Last five years out of the database, 5-21-1. Game 6 or greater, 800 or greater teams taking on a 300 or less opponent. That applies to this game, and... I'm certainly aware that the Chiefs are number one in the league in scoring this season at 36.2 points per game and have, in fact, scored 40, 45, and 30 in their last three games. With that said, however, the database tells us that in the last 12 months of the NFL, conference teams who scored 30 or more in each of their last three games have gone 1-12 and 12 over under in their next game. It tells us the over-under line is set high, and there's value on the under. So there you have it. This is from Monkey out of the totals tip sheet this week. It's her under of the week. Chiefs and Browns under the total. Make sure your line is 51 and a half or higher in this game. And don't forget, we got a big college football four-star over of the week in Pac-12 action, and it'll be up at playbook.com sometime on Thursday. Victor with great numbers in the Kansas City-Cleveland game to stay under the total at 7-40 and 40 outstanding stat inside the football game. And be sure to join Victor for that big four-star college football over total play this weekend, all available at King Creel Sports online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show, I want to remind our listeners that big news is coming for the Playbook Tokens. Check it out online at playbook.com. Check each every each and every day about the Playbook Tokens, where a big announcement is about to come. For now, you can score $100 in free Playbook Tokens. That's a very limited time. This offer is going to be coming down here soon. So take advantage of it now. Log on at playbook.com. Click on the Get Tokens offer to find out how you can put $100 in free tokens into your account today. Also, big news, my college football false favorite play of the year is going this Saturday. We're documented 13-2-1 and the last 16 years on our college football false favorite play of the year. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners. When you join me online at playbook.com or you can call my office toll free to get on board for the college football false favorite play of the year Saturday at playbook.com. My complimentary call on the football card this week 
We're going to go to a little bit of an obscure football game this week with Louisiana Lafayette. We're going to grab up the 10.5 points against Troy in a Sun Belt Conference matchup. Troy comes in here flying high this football season. They're 4-0 tied atop the Sun Belt East Division with Georgia Southern and one leg up in Appalachian State. But on the flip side, under the radar, the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana Lafayette are just 2-2 two two in the Sun Belt West, but that ties them for the top spot with Louisiana Monroe. So it's a big football game for both football teams, if you will, coming into this contest. This play comes from our midweek alert this week, and there's some great stats inside this football game. As we tear down the statistics and how teams are playing thus far this football season, we know that Louisiana Lafayette was outgained an average of 247 yards a game the opening month of September against FBS opponents, but since that time, they're outgaining opponents 127 yards a game. That's a swing of 374 yards a game for Louisiana Lafayette in a two-month span who's playing their best football of the season. On the other side, you take a look at Troy, who's 6-2 and two this season. They're outgaining FBS opponents only 18 yards a game this season, and they have that big game with co-leader Georgia Southern on tap next week. We're going to grab up the points with the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana Lafayette for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for another outstanding job on the show this week. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.